Today we are going to look at the story of Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. Genesis chapter 4, starting at verse number 1. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And again, she again bore his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought the, of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, thou shalt, shalt thou not be accepted, and if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall his desire and, uh, be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. <clears throat> and Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now thou art cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Here in the beginning, we find two blood brothers who literally represent all of mankind itself. Everyone on the planet and everyone here today is represented by one of these two brothers. You are like one of these brothers that we're reading about today. You are. One is righteous and obedient, and the other is unrighteous and disobedient. One is acceptable to God, and the other one is unacceptable to God. One is a hater, and thus a murderer, and the other is the receiver, the victim, the object of that hate. When folks find out that I'm a pastor, I often get asked various biblical questions and issues that they've run across and I suppose most people don't get a chance to have one-on-one -on -one FaceTime with their pastor very much so I do get a few off-the-wall questions from time to time of all the subjects in the Bible that I guess asked about one of the most that I get asked about is why did not God accept Cain's offering most people have a, a kind of sympathy for Cain. It's kind of like what's going on today with the, 
the sympathy for those that those terrorists that attacked Israel, murdered all those people. There's protests and sympathy all sweeping across our nation. Cain seems to get a lot of sympathy among folks who read this passage. He was a farmer. He brought the best of what he had. Surely God understood that. Now, I think the question is common because when most people set out to read their Bible, how many of you here are reading through your Bible this year? You've set a goal and you've started reading through your Bible. How many of you here should have set a goal and started reading through your Bible this year? I think what happens when people start reading through their Bible, they go to Genesis and they start reading. And they do pretty good for a while until they get over to Exodus at the end and then Leviticus and, and then they get lost and give up and quit. But before they give up and quit, they almost always get past chapter 4 of Genesis. That's why a lot of people are familiar with this story. And they have uh, this sympathy, this underdog sympathy for Cain. And they don't just really understand why God did not accept Cain's offering. It seems to me that the better question is the one that no one ever asked me about, and that is uh, something that just doesn't seem to get noticed. The Bible doesn't just say that God had not respect to Cain's offering. Here's what it says. It says, but to Cain and his offering, God had not respect. Now, let me see if I can find my spot here. My pages are sticking together. As defined by the context of verse 7, God not having respect simply means that neither Cain or his offering, neither one, were acceptable to God. And it seems to me that the Lord not accepting Cain is at least equally as serious as to whether or not his offering was acceptable. Now, before you judge the Lord as being partial or that the Lord's being unfair or unreasonable and start feeling sorry for Cain, you need to understand some things about these two brothers who are indeed the picture of the two sides of humanity as God sees us. You know, God sees us in one of two groups. Everybody here, God sees you in one category or the other. You're either righteous or you're unrighteous. We all start out unrighteous, and God gives us his righteousness when we put our trust in Christ. I'll get more about that later. But I want you to see that like us, both of them were equally aware of the divine presence of Almighty God. They observed God's amazing creation firsthand every single day. They observed his handiwork. Psalm 19 and verse 1 says, The heavens... Declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Psalm 97 and verse 6 tells us that the heavens declare his righteousness, and all the people see his glory. These were grown men who were farming and raising livestock. They saw the miracles of birth, the miracles of planting and harvesting. They saw it all. They were very aware of God. 
These men experienced the unmistakable, undeniable presence of God on an even greater and more personal level than you and I get to experience it. Now, we experience God's presence, particularly when we come to God's house and the Word of God is preached. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of His people. Where two or three of us are gathered together, He's here with us. God spoke with them in first person, first hand. You know how you dreamed of being able to go outside and ask God what you need to know and he'd just tell you? I know you've thought about that. Well, they did that. They both experienced hearing the literal voice of God, something that you can only dream about today. Did Cain know that God was real? Yes, he did, very much so. Was he some native in the wilderness who never heard the good news about Jesus? No, he was not. He was well informed. He understood he was there. He was not mentally crippled so that he was incapable of understanding. I know some people try to use that, you know, a lot of excuses for why they're not right with the Lord. Cain had none of the excuses that men try to get away with today. Just like you, Cain was without excuse. Romans chapter 1, verse 18, listen to what it says. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world things that you can see about God by observing His creation are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are, and hear it, without excuse. Both of these men were taught about sin and redemption. It's apparent from the context that like you and me, both of these men were taught of God. How else would they have even known to bring an offering to God if they hadn't been taught? (coughs) Jesus said in John 6, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. He said, It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard that have learned of the Father, Jesus said, cometh unto me. Whether they were taught by their dad and mom or by the Lord himself, because the Lord spoke to them daily him by himself, they both knew to bring an offering to the Lord. After Cain was rejected and angry, the Lord even explained it to him again. Just like some of you who have heard it and heard it and heard it again, and still have not put your trust in Jesus Christ to save you from your sins. Same situation. Sin destroyed them as it has each of us. Jesus said in John 3 and verse 3, you've heard it over and over and over, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Most people think that being born again is a strictly New Testament phenomenon. It is not. Sin brings death to our spirit 
as it was then, so it is now. Ephesians 2, chapter, 2 verse 1, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. You see, when a man places his trust willingly, readily, on purpose, in the shed blood of Jesus who died in our place on that cross almost 2,000 years ago, Jesus paid the penalty of our sin for us. When we put our trust in him for that, the Bible says that our dead spirit is made alive, born again, recreated in righteousness and true holiness. All the religion in the world and all the offerings in the world won't help you if you do not trust it in the, in the Messiah, in his death, burial, and resurrection. John 5, 24, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Whether you were on Abel's side of the cross, trusting that Jesus, the Christ, is going to come and going to die for you, or you're on this side of the cross, looking back to the Messiah who did come and did die for you, salvation comes just one way, by placing your trust in the shed blood of the Savior, Jesus Christ. David described it this way in Psalm 32. In verse 2, he said, Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. Both of these men brought an offering that reflected what was on the inside of those men. The scripture says that God did not accept Cain, and thus did not accept Cain's offering. The right and proper offering was a lamb without blemish. The first and best that he had or that he could obtain. The truth is that if Cain had brought the blood sacrifice of an unblemished lamb, he still would not have been accepted. Why is that? It's because Cain was an unbeliever. He's not a believer. He is still a child of the devil like every one of us either are right now or were at one time. Yes, I used to be a child of the devil. I didn't much like hearing about it back when I was. But a good look in the mirror told me that they were telling me the truth. Not because of my physical appearance, but because of the nature that I lived every day. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. Now we're in the New Testament reading about Cain in the Old Testament. Look at what it says. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one. What was Cain's problem? He was a child of the devil. That's what his problem was. And slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Cain brought the fruit of his own works, because that's all he had to offer God. Without placing your trust in Jesus and receiving the free gift of righteousness, the free gift of his shed blood on your behalf, the works that you have, the fruit of your works is all you have to offer God. 
And the Bible has a lot to say about that. Let me read some of these scriptures that talk about what you have to offer God if you've never received the gift of righteousness from Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. <coughs> Proverbs 15.8, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. Isaiah 64 and 6, We are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses, the very best you've ever done, the best works you could ever come up with, all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we do all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Every year, as he was taught, Abel brought a blood sacrifice to the Lord, signifying his faith in the coming Redeemer. There is no doubt that Abel gave other offerings as well, as he as that practice was handed down to generations to come. They show us that. Later under the law, the sin offering was remember, a remembrance that was made every year. With us, because the real lamb has now come, and all of that has been fulfilled, all that is now complete. We don't make blood sacrifices anymore. Hebrews chapter 10 tells us why. 10 verse 3 says, But in those remembrance, uh, those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Verse 12 says, but this man, and you know who we're talking about, his name is Jesus, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. I'm going to wrap this up and let you out early today. Why was Cain like he was? We read it. He was the way he was because he was a child of the devil, because he was not a believer. He was not. When from the heart you place your trust in the blood that Jesus shed for you on Calvary, God will make you acceptable. And that's the only way you'll ever be acceptable. And then he will also accept your offerings. If you're a saved, born-again child of God, then you can offer acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. We still do that today. I don't know if you realize it or not. We offer the sacrifice of praise, giving glory to his name. That's what we were doing before I started preaching a while ago. We offer the sacrifice of tithes and offerings, faithfully bringing him honor in his house. That's why we do that. It's not about money. God need our money? You must be kidding. It's about honor, not money. We bring the sacrifice of faithful presence in God's house. (coughs) Some of you are here every Sunday. It's like clockwork. I'm glad you're here today. 
But the sacrifice of faithful presence in his house every Lord's day is what he deserves. The sacrifice of your participation in his work and in his worship. Some of you serve. You serve regularly. And when you come, you worship. Some of you sit there and don't sing. Some of you worship. Sing with all your heart. That's what we're supposed to do. The sacrifice of preeminence, placing Jesus first in your life. I want to read from Colossians before we wrap this up. Chapter 1, verse 12 says, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet, or fitting, to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. You were created for him. Does that mean anything to you? You weren't created for you. You were created for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church. Jesus is the head of this church. Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Right now, you are in the the same condition as one of these two brothers. Which one is it? Are you in the same condition as Abel? The one who was acceptable to God because he was looking forward to that blood sacrifice that God's only son was going to come and make for him at some point? Or are you still in the same condition as Cain? Everybody here is one or the other. And your entire future depends on which one. This is a message today of salvation. We heard a good salvation message last week. I had to stay home and watch it on television. Glad to be back. But this is a message about your salvation too. I know where Abel is today. He's in heaven with the Savior. When Abel died, he went to a place called the bosom of Abraham. Jesus described it as paradise. And when Jesus paid for his sins on the cross, yours and mine as well, he descended into paradise and took the captives out, and they're in heaven with him now. And that's where I'm going. 
Hallelujah. And I'm going because of the blood that Jesus shed for me. I'm not going because of any good thing I've ever done. Compared to the righteousness of the Lord, I've never done any good. All I have is a bunch of filthy rags. I'm not going to offer that to the Lord. He gave me something better to offer. He gave me a lamb, perfect one. You know, when Abraham was told by the Lord to take his son up on Mount Moriah and sacrifice him there, they got up there and, and Isaac said, well, here's the wood, here's fire, where's the lamb? And Abraham said, son, God will provide himself a lamb. And he did. And I'm not talking about that goat that was caught in the bush. The perfect lamb. Amen. How, how good must you be to go to heaven? You ever thought about it? It takes righteousness, perfect righteousness, to go to heaven. Jesus said, except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will in no wise enter into the kingdom of God. Yeah. There's only one way that can happen. And that is if God himself gives you as a free gift his own perfect righteousness. God did that for me when I was 26 years old. When I first heard the story of why Jesus went to the cross and understood it for the first time in my life. That Jesus went to the cross and paid for my sin because I would never be able to live good enough. Amen. Never be able to make it. The whole reason Jesus died was because I couldn't live good enough. And you can't live good enough either. Not that it... You've been doing all that much trying. Amen? Amen.